Let us be attentive. Take your vows to the Lord our God and perform them. God is known in Judah. His name is great in Israel. Wisdom. St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. Let us be attentive. Brethren, we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God given to me like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and another man is building upon it. Let each man take care how he builds upon it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work which any man has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells within you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and that temple you are. Peace be with you, the reader. Arise, let us listen to the Holy Gospel. Peace be with all. The reading is from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Let us be attentive. At that time, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was many furlongs distant from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, it is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately he spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, have no fear. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, bid me come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, O man of little faith, why did you doubt? 
And when they entered the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. And when they had crossed over, they came to the land at Gennesaret. Peace be with you who proclaim the gospel. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. This morning, brothers and sisters, I'd like to take you to the Old Testament and to examine two, very briefly, two important, uh, two important stories and lessons from the first two books of the Bible. But let's start with the second book, the book of Exodus. The entire book of Exodus, as the name indicates, relates really the story of the people of Israel leaving Egypt. They leave Egypt because they are persecuted there, because they are not free. Now, in all truth, the people of Israel was, were actually quite prosperous. Many of them didn't really suffer, per se, in Egypt. They were quite prosperous during their period of time there. However, they were not free. They were not able to rule themselves. They were ruled by a group by the local people, a group who were different than them just because they were a different ethnicity, a different nation. Now, of course, the story is much fuller when we think back to how the people of Israel ended up in Egypt to begin with. But I'm not going to stop on that because it's a very, very minute detail that I want to share with you about this part as they exit, as they leave Egypt. No doubt that the most important character in the book of Exodus is Moses, right? He is the one that leads God's people, his own people, out of bondage and into freedom, of course after a period of trials of about 40 years or so. But there is another person that stands out in a somewhat mystical manner in that story, but in a very genuinely significant manner in the totality of the story of the salvation and sanctification of the people of God. The name of that person who can be easily overlooked if we were only to read the book of Exodus is Miriam. Miriam is a Hebrew virgin, and she is actually the one who leads the people of Israel through the sea that parted up for them 
to become free, to no longer be people in slavery, people who could not rule themselves. She led the Israelites to freedom. She led them through freedom, to freedom through a sea, through a period and a place and a mechanism that would otherwise destroy you and kill you. You would drown in a sea if you were to try to walk across it. And it did just that to the Egyptian armies, did it not? But interestingly, that which was a vehicle of death for the Egyptian army, for the oppressors, that which killed the evil actually gave birth to freedom in God to those who are seeking to be free in God. Now, perhaps, you're starting to see where I'm getting at. This Miriam is really just typology for us. She is a foreshadowing of yet another Hebrew virgin, of yet another Miriam, the Holy Virgin Mary. Listen to the words of St. Ambrose. In the Old Testament, a Hebrew virgin, Miriam, led an army through the sea. In the New Testament, a king's daughter, being the lineage of David, the virgin Miriam. Mary is actually just a change to the name Miriam. Was chosen to be the heavenly entrance to salvation itself. St. Ambrose of Milan bring, brings this reality out to us. Now let's move a little backwards from the book of Exodus to the book of Genesis, the one that begins the Bible, the story of God's creation of everything of the world is really the primary story. The story of creation is really the lesson here. But the focus is really on another detail. The focus is that humans standing at the highest place of God's creation actually fall away from their creator and fall down from their place because of disobedience. This is really the essence of the story there. Manhood and womanhood alike lost their place of glory of creation because of disobedience. But manhood and womanhood alike regained a new type of life because of their disobedience to God. And as they gained that life of consequences, men and women came into bondage, into a bondage of their own consequence, of their own actions. Here's how St. Irenaeus of Lyon speaks of this. The knot of Eve's disobedience was loosed by the obedience of Mary. For what the virgin Eve had bound fast through unbelief, 
This did the Virgin Mary set free through belief. Adam and Eve, through their disobedience, bound us, bound us to live a life of bondage to the enemy, of being dependent on the influence of the evil one. But the Holy Virgin Mary, through her obedience, through her faith, unknotted that bondage, said St. Irenaeus. Now you see how significant the Holy Virgin Mary, Mother of God, is to our lives. That's exactly why we honor and venerate her with great love because she restored humanity's willingness to be obedient to God. She restored our own willing, willingness to be obedient to God, for it is by her own will that she received the will of God to be born of her, to take flesh from her and enter the world. It is not easy. It's rather very difficult to understand what it means to align my own will with God's will. This is the greatest example that I can find for myself. The Holy Virgin Mary receiving mystically by her own will through obedience the God who cannot be contained into a womb, being only the spark of life and growing into a human. We love, honor, venerate, hymn, and praise her as the woman who gave birth to the f in the flesh to her son, who is our God. And if God himself agreed to be born of us and blessed her to be honored more than the cherubim and more glorious beyond compare than the seraphim. How can we not do the same as God himself does? If he deemed her worthy to honor her so, how can I not consider her with the greatest veneration. St. Cyril of Alexandria says the following, I have been amazed that some are utterly in doubt as to whether or not the Holy Virgin is able to be called the Mother of God. For if our Lord Jesus Christ is God, how should the Holy Virgin who bore him not be the mother of God. St. Cyril of Alexandria is speaking here because of the turmoil of his time where people were arguing, being influenced by different teachers as to whether or not the Virgin Mary is the mother of God as well or just the mother of Jesus. 
Of course, Christology and the understanding of Jesus is at the core of this, but this is exactly how it relates to the sanctified womanhood of Mary. Yes, it is a mystery that we cannot comprehend by putting together one and one to equal two. It is a mystery indeed that I cannot, I cannot explain in human words. But I can receive it. And I can believe it. And I can embrace it, both with faith and obedience, that if God himself found himself able to dwell in her, I also can receive her as my mother as well. Let us seek her intercessions, her guidance and protection, my dear friends. Amen.